Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. Wow, it's great to have you back because we have a fantastic conversation in store for you today. And as always, this show is really to uplift, to inspire, to transform, to connect you to the unlimited self that you are, to access the healing power that's within each of us, and to keep you inspired from week to week. And as always, it's great having you join me, and it's great being part of these conversations and knowing that we have such such capacities and uh, such a promise for potential in our lives. And um, if you are listening for the first time, I invite you to go to my Facebook page, which happens to be Dr. Cheryl Selman, or you can go to my website, drcherylselman.com, because whether you like me over on my Facebook page or go and opt into my website, I will send you the archived shows, not only to the Love Code, but to the other program that I do on Progressive Nidia. Progressive Radio Network, which is what women must know. So if you want to get all the latest shows and keep up to date with the information that I'm sharing on a regular basis to keep us really healthy spiritually, physically, emotionally, (laughs) mentally, then join me there. I'd love having you as part of my community. And today we have a great conversation. We're going to be um, exploring about the key to using your subconscious power to really create the life that you want. And my guest is Kimberly Friedmutter, who is the author of the book, Subconscious Power, Use Your Mind to Create the Life You Always Wanted. And, you know, the life we've always wanted is created from within. And the manual we never got when we were born (laughs) was how to use our power to create the life we've always wanted. We think it's doing a lot of hard work out there in the external reality, but it all starts from within. And so my guest, Kimberly, is such an expert. This is her her world, her work, her passion, and she's going to be sharing some profound information with us today. So just let me share a little bit about Kimberly Friedmutter. She is a certified hypnotherapist, a member at large of the prestigious UCLA Health System Board, the American Board of Hypnotherapy, the Association for Integrative Psychology, the American Board of Neurolinguistic Programming, and the International Hypnosis Federation. She is also a certified master hypnotist and certified neurolinguistic programming trainer. And the uh, latest book is called The Subconscious Power, Using Your Mind to Create the Life You Always Wanted. And Kimberly... I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to The Love Code. Well, thanks so much for having me. And with all of those accolades and nice things that you just said, I'm still stuck between a yapping small dog and a bidet that wants to squirt water on the wall. So <laughs> it just shows you you never really leave your circumstances, no matter how much of an expert of anything you are. <laughs> well, what's anyway, going I on in your subconscious here. mind? <laughs> Yes, yes, always, always busy, you know, it's life, which is the the consciousness part, you know, so if we can just temper and turn down the volume on our conscious mind and allow that volume to be cranked up on our subconscious, we would all be traveling a much different speedy highway. (laughs) It's true, you know, um, I didn't share this with you before we got onto the show, but um, I actually have trained in NLP many, many years ago. I've done hypnotherapy in my practice as a psychotherapist. I'm, you know, I'm also a naturopathic doctor, but it's beautiful for me combining 
the work that I have done in the past as a psychotherapy with tools like hypnotherapy and NLP, as well as the knowledge I gained with the body and, you know, working with the capacity to heal physically. Because in order to heal, we need to bring into play the subconscious power that we have, understanding the um, huge potential, the part of us that is wounded, that created the problem, and then be able to go in and heal and then support it on the physical level. So, you know, I love what you're doing, and obviously you're passionate about it and have really gotten, this is your life, you know, this is what you are involved with, uh, with all the you know, background and associations and the work that you're doing and with your book as well. Yes. And, you know, I I wrote the book originally. I was asked to write the book by an editor contacting me from HarperCollins. And by the time I got the proposal ready to go and all that took about a year. And by the time we turned it into her, she had left HarperCollins. And so we put it on the open market. And then, of course, Simon & Schuster became my partner in it. Um, But it was interesting because, you know, it was at a time when we weren't really talking about mental health like we are today. And obviously, who could have foreseen what we were in for in 2020? And I wrote the book with the feeling of, please don't let me give busy people one more thing to do. I'd rather give busy people a thousand less things to do. And that was the whole motivation of the book was to make it easier. You know, I I live in Las Vegas right now and I like everything fast, cheap, and easy. And I'm not afraid to say it because I want, I want things to be just simple and path of least resistance. And I found the way into that. And the way in was to crank up the volume on that subconscious and to turn down that volume as I was speaking of before on consciousness you know we're double-minded and I know that your listeners are so well versed in this but just as a quick recap we have our conscious mind which is our daily task maker and our calendar keeper and all those things and then we also have that layer just below the conscious which is our subconscious under consciousness and so that is where all the good touchy-feely stuff is the things that make you you the things that make you individualized and special and so within that we all have our set of you know internal GPS modules We have our hopes and dreams. We have our emotions, our faith systems, our belief systems, where we've been, how we filtered and translated where we've been, where we're going, how we translate that. So you'll see um, with the book, you know, I do specialize in high-performing individuals. I've got Martha Stewart here, Jennifer Hudson, Mike Tyson, all of which wrote really nice things about the book. But the bigger picture is that these are people who wanted to experience something bigger outside of themselves. I individually have comments from all my high performers saying, I never could have imagined this life that I achieved or that I got or that I was granted. Whatever their belief system is about how it came, they believe it came came from yonder, from out there, from over there. So we decided then that trance was the way to easiest, um, the easiest, quickest, and most succinct way to tap into that, turn on that channel, move that dial to where you can really access that information that's meant for you. So um, there's so much that we really want to explore in this conversation, but I always like starting by asking my guests, what was your journey like? What brought you to this work? I had a radio talk show in Los Angeles on KLSX 97.1 FM, which is known as the Howard Stern Station. It was the station that Howard was on in L.A. 
and you know there's Tom Likas there's all of these guys and it was a little daunting for me and I was uh, suffering from stage fright so it was an internal you know quiet suffrage and it was one of those things that you know, I didn't talk much about but that I felt and I just wanted to really enjoy that ride and not not feel you know self-conscious and timid and anxiety and panic and all those things I was feeling before going on the air so I sought out a hypnotherapist because I had understood that this could be a deeper subconscious working and I went into the therapy session and kind of came out feeling the same you know I thought yeah it was nice you know I got a nice snooze and felt very relaxing and you know so what basically and then when I went on the air next I couldn't find the fear it wasn't happening to me it wasn't occurring and I remember thinking oh my gosh is it around the corner is it going to be when they say my name is it for an outro is it an intro when is it going to happen and it never happened again with that I thought well 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 let's look at this a little closer what else would I like to work on and disappear from my way or my being or my personality or my you know day for all that matter and so sure enough I started working on just about everything I could uh, think of and it was so accessible and so easy because literally for the the end user, the consumer of hypnosis, the one in trance, the trancee, I literally felt like I was having a little snooze and was just comfortable. And, you know, sometimes I wouldn't even fade away. I would just lay there and, you know, kind of just be in this trance in this zone. Trance is a completely natural state for us. It's the state that we're in when we've driven a long distance and we don't really consciously remember what we did in that time. When you, you know, open the refrigerator and you find yourself, you know, wondering why you went to the fridge. It's those moments in trance that we really shouldn't interrupt ourselves or interrupt others. You know, we're taught young in school, you know, get your attention back in the room. Don't zone out like that. When in essence, really zoning out is the key. That's where that information is. So oftentimes people will ask, you know, the difference between meditation and hypnosis trance or hypnotic trance. And I just simply say that meditation is typically when you start focusing on your breath, pushing thoughts at bay. Trance would be the opposite in the sense that you still go within like you start any meditative process, but yet you're inviting those thoughts in. You're letting them roll in because that's where our epiphanies come from, our aha moments, our inspirations, our aspirations. It's such a powerful part of us. I remember when I was um, planning to be the keynote, well, actually be the event, um, <laughs> to be the person that people were coming to listen to. And it, we had about um, 500, 800 people that had registered for this event. And I, they came to hear me. And I never did an event like that before. And I was a wreck. I was an absolute wreck, as you can imagine, Kimberly, <laughs> speaking to a large group. So um, uh, what I what I found was timeline therapy, which is a kind of a part. It's a it's a subconscious programming related to NLP, and so I went to this practitioner with this horrible uh, fear and anxiety. It's kind of like you, that stage fright. And um, we did a session. I, I didn't think much actually went on. And when I came out of that session, uh, that that fear had totally disappeared, and it really hasn't emerged again since. So I, I understand what you're saying in the power when we can tap into this this powerful part of us that can alleviate our fears, anxieties, our traumas. 
Um, you know, I, I always prefer modalities that are working with the subconscious or what I also call the unconscious part because the rational, logical part of us can only take us so far, you know, that cognitive functioning in being able to resolve any any issues that we have. I always like to say, you know, it's you can never heal things on the conscious level. You have to heal them on the unconscious level in order to really get permanent change. And that's why the work with hypnosis and NLP is so powerful. And I've seen in the years that I've been working with these modalities, such miracles of healing and transformation go on. Where, where people have been struggling for such a long time in cognitive therapy, talk therapy, which got them some insights perhaps, but not real change. You know, it's interesting that you say that about timeline therapy because I'm a, a timeline therapy trainer's trainer. If <laughs> you could be a trainer, I train trainers in timeline therapy, and so I'm a huge fan of that. So I love hearing you mention it um, because that is one of the modalities that gets the um, best results. When people come see me for four-day stints at a time, um, we dig right into that, and I just love it, love it, love it, love it. So, yes, and, and you're absolutely right. Right, because something has moved the needle to create the problem and addressing that thing, whatever that thing is. You know, usually a good practitioner in hypnosis can, you know, listen to the presenting problem and hear how it's phrased and how the person puts it, um, you know, with the always or, you know, usually or should have, could have, you know, all these things that are these um, not red flags, but are these indicators of, of how that got kind of stuck in there, you know, and it's so freeing when clients come and they just feel like all of a sudden, you know, their, their burdens are lifted and you really, you're absolutely right. You get that true lift. It's like a good bra. You get that true lift with the underwire. You just do. <laughs> so we have to get in there. Hey, wait, the we don't want to talk about section. that. <laughs> I, I I just had a guest who's against uh, bras and underwire, so I <laughs> yeah I think they're not that great. Yeah, no, they go. It works for a metaphor, but yeah, nobody likes those anymore. Look, you know, we're so lucky we live in this day in science when all of these microfabrics and fibers and all this kind of thing is lifting us. Pretty soon we'll just think about it and they'll go, well, there they go. Well, well it, it, it might be a good goal for one of our sessions with the, with the subconscious yes. of programming our bodies. Um, yes, how to lift your breath. Can we talk a little bit? You know, we, we mentioned uh, timeline therapy, and I'm sure so many people listening are curious about what that is, maybe have never heard of it before. I don't think it really has the um, uh, renown as it should, as it's such a powerful tool. So maybe you can just define what it is a little bit so people can have an introduction to timeline therapy. So basically, in the mind, we line everything up according to time. So something happened in the past, something's happening in the future, and now is where we stand. And so you elicit a timeline from a client by simply asking them, close their eyes and imagine yourself, you know, up, floating up above this thing that forms a line. If you were to look towards the past, which way would you look? Please point. They point. The, 
look the way, you know, direction of the future, which way would that be? You might notice that this forms a line running through you. Yes, I do. And as you rise up high above that line, um, you know, you take someone back to a time, of course, they're taking themselves back, but you suggest that they go back to a time where there was a root cause of the issue that is their presenting problem. So if they want to come for, um, you know, an anger issue. So you might cover the first, you know, major um, negative emotions, anger, anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt. Um, you'll tell me if this resonates with the way you practice timeline therapy. But anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt. So you have a stimulating um, emotion, anger. You have a depressive emotion, sadness, and back and forth that they alternate. And so in that, when was the first time that you ever would have felt anger? Was it before, during, or after your birth? And so then you start traveling this. You know how the <laughs> when you go on the Internet, you, like, you follow one thing that leads you to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. That's what we're doing is we're actually following a timeline of someone of what that first time they ever felt that negative emotion and then limited decisions and then you know all kinds of other things that you can work into it so it really is a catch-all I mean for me it's like it's like the vacuum cleaner it's just normal course of business housekeeping it's just something that you do um, I don't think that that the emotional house is clean until we've done it so when clients come I spend um, the second day which is usually the day that people say is not as fun as the first <laughs> the first day is where they really get to talk about you know why they're here and what their what their issues are and whatnot and I like to hear all of it I want to know if you stub your toe every Saturday night at 7 30 p.m. on the coffee table same place same day I want to know everything that you're here to fix um, and then we just get busy so yes and then that the idea is that you're putting the perspective in the position um, before the event occurred so that you can't really feel the upset anymore. So it really is like spark plugs being pulled so that you can't ignite that engine. You can't put the you can't put the juice any longer on, you can't give that energy anymore to that upset. So the events aren't wiped from your memory or anything like that, but the emotion is disconnected from it. And of course we work on, you know, the negative emotions. We don't disconnect happiness, elation, or joy or anything like that. But, you know, the idea is that you don't have to feel the burden around it, you know. Right. And that's really the the key to healing because when you no longer have a charge on an event, then you're just observing it. There's no there's no reaction. You're not stimulating your adrenals and your cortisol and firing your your brain in a pattern that is activating that perception of the trauma. It's like it's just it, it's like you know it's neutral. There's no charge. And so when we work yeah. with the subconscious, which is the key to working with all these tools, including timeline therapy. You are, it's a technique that can take you back in a way that clears the, wherever that emotion came from. What's so fascinating, Kimberly, and I, I always used to say this to people, if you've experienced an intense emotion more than once, then it didn't happen in the present. It's just getting stimulated in the present. It's something that is unresolved from somewhere back in time. And the the beauty of timeline therapy is it your subconscious will take you back to the first time you ever had that charge established. 
and then you can without with conscious use, yeah without conscious approval yes. yeah yes like you and consciously the, don't the, the, you the know, some... go ahead go ahead so sorry you go now, well, I, what I was going to say, the beauty of this with the un, working with your subconscious or unconscious, whatever you want to call it, you're able to actually access through the technique the ability to diffuse that charge, which then resonates and reverberates throughout time from the past to the present on into the future. You, you're free. You're free of that emotional charge, you know, that reaction that has been a source of so much stress in one's life and has limited a person in so many ways. Yes, and so it can absolutely trip you up and and so affects our day and our future. You know, I look at it like residue. I look at it like the first time you had that emotion. And what I was um, attempting to say there is that the the beautiful thing about it is like people listening might say, well, gosh, you know, I don't remember way back when. And I don't know when I was three and two and past lifetimes and, um, you know, through my genealogy. You don't have to. It has nothing to do with your conscious, you know, um, application of anything. It has to do with just what you said, rising up through the subconscious, ready for resolution. And only the things ready for resolution will rise. So sometimes I'll circle back with people and I'll say, oh, you know, let's do another session of timeline therapy and let's go and catch and see what's risen now, what's ready to be resolved now. Because we only want to catch that that's ready. And actually you only can catch that that's ready. And it's beautiful. Um, you know, someone would say, uh, oh my gosh, well, I'm looking down at the event and I see myself in an empty room and I'm crying because my teeth are coming in or I'm teething, you know, something to that effect. And my mom is, and what's neat is you can get the perspective of all, you've got this beautiful global perspective of, of what everybody's doing. My mom's in the kitchen. She's not paying attention to the fact that I'm crying. Now I'm getting angry. Now I'm, you know, trying to bite the wood on the crib, you know, so you have this picture of everything that's happening. And as you describe it, and then as you do these few little adjustments that your ever so, um, you know, experty hypnotist will guide you through, then all of a sudden you don't feel that charge anymore. And it's like, oh, got it. So that residue is cleaned up. It's literally like Lysol for your soul. It just goes in, you spray it, you wipe it, no more anything residue around it. And then you're clear and clean to feel that emotion in a clean way as as um, is is uh, acceptable, you know, to you and others, and not overreactive or not, you know, a triggered, you know, trigger, trigger, trigger. That's our new word right now, right? So everybody just feels triggered. You don't get that way. You don't get jumpy about anything because it's clean and it's actually very honest. You know, the thing with the book is I wanted people to get super, super, super honest because when we start from that point, and I don't mean with others as far as like writing letters or any of that kind of thing at all. This is the most selfish self-help book you would ever read. It's about you, not your children, not your mate, not your neighbor, not your colleagues. It's you. And when you get really honest about you, everything starts to slide into place. Place, and that's what we're looking for. So I'm sure you've got some great stories from people you've worked with in your practice. Do you have do you have a story that is really inspirational for us? You know, I I have a funny. It's kind of a funny story. It starts sad, but Muhammad Ali, when he passed away. 
one of the, the last chapter is life is a loop, not a line. And that is so that people that are losing folks, you know, we had a lot of loss in 2020. A lot of people lost people to COVID. A lot of people, you know, had different circumstances with their losses that weren't COVID related, but yet they couldn't see with them or be with them, you know, because they were hospitalized. So everything got topsy-turvy. But that chapter, um, I'm friends with Mike Tyson and his wife, Kiki, and he was honored um, to be asked and invited to be a pallbearer for Muhammad Ali when he passed and to, you know, obviously attend his service. And so I was talking with Kiki on a certain day, and she said, oh, my gosh, you know, we're getting suits for the boys, you know, for their children to attend the funeral and this and that and, um, you know, getting ready to go. And it turned out that they couldn't get a flight. They couldn't figure out how to get there. And so um, she had taken that call. She called me back, and I said, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you have to get there. Like, I'll figure out how you can get there. You know how sometimes, like, in a relay race, you give the, the batons in to the stronger runner, and you give it to the next runner who's not all tired, you know, <laughs> exhausted from the experience? And so I was so happy to take that baton. Anyway, got her on a plane um, and got them down there in time for the service. And someone had said to me, you know, they said, I bet, you know, Mike is so impressed by what you did or something like that. And I was like, Mike, I said, oh, no, no, no. I was trying to impress Muhammad. I was like, you know, I mean, Mike is dear and all of that, but, you know, he's living. We can talk about that. But Muhammad was, you know, because I knew there were great things in store for Mike and Muhammad. That was the relationship that, you know, I wanted to feel the warmth and the love and the joy around. Nothing to do with what I had done. I was playing a tiny, you know, sub, 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 sub role in something that would be a forever memory and forever marked in history for those two, you see. So when you have a situation where you can assist, or you, I think of it as like vessel assist, right? We're all bobbing around on the ocean, and sometimes, you know, the waves are big, sometimes there are little ripples, whatever, but all boats rise in high tide. And if you can plop into that water and raise a boat, you know, make it a little higher tide for someone, do it. Because every single chance you get to be a little sparkle in someone's day or life or eye, you know, it's just it's beyond how it feels. I feel like there's a there's a twinkling star for you there. So that would be one. I mean, there are so many. Um, you know, I had clients, uh, two clients, which started as one client but turned into two clients that wanted to not fall in love with each other on the set of a film. That was very interesting. Um, you know, so I just ran the anti-love model. <laughs> so that was, that was uh, good. Well, it was highly unecological for for the person to, who had a history of this, by the way. And so they um, – wanted to make sure that they were shored up. And I thought, you know, that that was very commendable and very respectable. Um, you know, know, know your issues, talking about getting honest. And they were starring in a film with another one that was just the same, you know, so it could have really been explosive. And luckily everybody's still tucked in at home where they belong and everybody's good. So. <laughs> but But even those issues have a wound attached to it, right? So... Uh, when you have inappropriate behavior or, you know, something that's that's not um, uh, according to yeah. what is, is ecological, I guess you turn it. I mean, even, even that tendency, that pattern is a wound, is an emotional issue that is needing to be healed. So you make appropriate yeah, choices. I mean, that's the whole point. It's like where, wherever we set ourselves up, 
to have some degree of trauma or some degree of emotional pain or eventually eventually have that show up, even though it may look like a bright moment in the moment, but we see a pattern with it, then that is the message to address and heal what's been um, the, the, the thorn in our side, so to speak. You know, we, we talk in metaphors, we talk about these wounds, but it's that reoccurring programming that we don't even understand, but it shows up all the time and it's predictable. And that is what this work enables people to heal and resolve. So they have greater choice in their life. They're not just running out of a programming. They actually can make uh, a variety of choices that are more supportive and healthy for them. Right. And so self-sabotage, you know, falls into that, of course, and uh, a repeated behavior and looking for validation and all of those things. You know, um, one of the chapters in my book, Subconscious Power, is do you move toward or away? And I find, and I, I say this only because you brought up the fact of, of how we're how we're going, you know, where we're moving to and that trajectory. Oftentimes, you know, you can't put in maps if you if you put in maps where you want to go, you know, it has to know where you're starting. <laughs> so if you find yourself unhappy um, throughout life or a pattern of unhappiness, I often will say to clients, you know, are you moving away from that which you don't care for rather than moving toward that that you seek and that you want? It's it's a really quick study of your patterns and how your trajectory sets up. Um, either, you know, always through yourself because we have autonomy and a sense of agency. But it's very interesting to see when someone's continually unhappy with their choices. Are they moving away from that thing that they no longer want and, you know, that they think is no longer right for them? So a quick, easy way to see if this is is um, a listener can just look at it this way. So, you know, like say you want to make money and you say, okay, do I want to make money because I don't want to be impoverished or do I want to make money because I want to provide for my family? You see the difference. So are you coming from a, I'm running from poverty, so that's why I want to make money or am I making money because I want to provide? Am I going toward the money or away from poverty? So there's, then that's just a simple example. I mean, it, it fits for anything if you find yourself in discord with your choices. It's a great place to start. Let's talk about using your subconscious power to create the future that you want, since we're kind of going in that direction. Um, how, um, what, do you, what do you advise people to do? How can they harness that power to uh, create the future that would most support their goals, their values, their dreams? Allow it to play out in front of you. There's that internal GPS that I speak of knows what you're capable of and your deepest dreams, aspirations, ideas, even if they're not grand. I mean, when I say aspirations, it sounds like such a big word, but it really can be energy to get up tomorrow and have a, a day where you experience joy. I mean, it can be so, so simple and basic to your heart, or it can be grand. It can be, you know, creating and um, delivering and anything you want. It doesn't matter, big or small, the universe doesn't doesn't really, like, moderate um, the value of things like we do consciously. 
And so when you sit and you imagine where you feel happy, like am I the happiest um, sitting here, you know, uh, being relaxed? Am I the happiest on a mountaintop? Where am I the happiest and why and with who and what does it smell like and what does it feel like? And is this something that's achievable? You know, is this a possibility, a physical possibility? You know, and, and the reason I say that is because you could imagine yourself, you know, being the star of a Lakers game and you could be a five-foot female that you're not going to be a star Lakers player. So something that is, you know, rationally attainable and then allow that to really pump in the detail of it, the smell of it, the feel of it, the touch of it, the sound of it, who's around. You know, oftentimes when clients will go into like a past life, I'll start with the basics and I'll say, and maybe they don't know what they are or who they are. I'll say, look at your hands. What do you see? Do you see hands, paws, claws? What do you see? Look at your feet. What do you see? Do you see shoes? Do you see Claws, paws, fur, scales, what do you see? And so it's really getting that basic. My husband's an architect, and so if he doesn't draw it, it doesn't get built. And so that's the very, very thing. He starts with a line, a tiny little line. And, I mean, we tend to go, oh, yeah, 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 I know, I've got all that stuff. I'm I'm there, I'm happy, I'm rolling, everybody around me happy. No, 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 detail. Detail it out so that we're forming and forging a path to it. This is why vision boards are so, you know, people love to do vision boards. It's because it kind of half does the work for you. You have an image, and it's an image that you agree with and that you like. Now add smell. Now add a feel. What is it like? You know, see yourself walking around in it. Take phone calls in it. You know what I mean? Like, like really imagine yourself walking through that day of that life. I have some of that to do now, and I still do it literally every chance that I get when I want something either different or beyond what I have. And I don't mean material things. I just mean the way I feel, the life, who I'm going to be hanging out with, who I'm going to be collaborating with, is literally take yourself through and you'll be surprised to see how these things line up in your path so much that you literally have to trip over them. I mean, they're that obvious. So the, the, the important message is, is that we have a GPS system to get us where we want to go. For some of us to get where we want to go, to create the life that we desire, we have to first heal or resolve or diffuse the unresolved emotional charges or traumas, whatever we want to call it, that are um, creating repeating unproductive patterns in our life, including health issues, including the physical problems, physical manifestations of an unresolved emotional wound. And um, that opens the way to have a clearer path to set those intentions to visualize. It's um, uh, uh, often hard to create the future you want, and some people get frustrated because they're imagining the future but dragging so much of the, you know, garbage from the past with them that it makes it a really long, difficult, if not impossible task. So how, how, do, we, how do we do all the work, Kimberly, that's required okay. to really create our ideal life? 
This is beautiful. See, I feel I feel pretty opposite about it. I feel like one of my mantras is, what if it's easy? When we come from the perspective of easy, that it's not hard and that it's not long and that it's not drawn out, which is my mantra, I love that because it's how I could fly. I mean, literally, if I felt like it was difficult, hard, or um, you know, any sort of a struggle. Now, has it all been easy? Absolutely not. But if my perspective is that it's easy, you know, it's kind of like if you have to go to the DMV and you say, oh, my gosh, you know, and you get up in the morning and, oh, and you're slugging around because you have to go to the DMV. Well, I mean, what kind of a morning is that? Rather than setting in motion that, yes, I'm going to the DMV, this is going to be lickety-splickety-quick, I'm going to pop in there, the, you know, right attendant is going to buzz for me to go in. I mean, now I don't know what the DMV is doing <laughs> since 2020, but just for the for the hypothetical situation is that, you know, you pop in, you pop out, and that you just it just goes with ease. When you come with that mindset, the chances are greater that it will go that way than if you just assume that it's some way that we all joke about. You know, the, the global joke is the DMV. And so with that perspective, okay, we want to sell the house. This is how easy it's going to be. The perfect person is going to show up for the house. We might not even have have to list the house. They might knock on the door and want to buy the house. I mean, this has happened three times for a client of mine. I kid you not. And she fully expects to build a house and to have someone, apparently Celine Dion bought one of her houses. Selena Gomez bought another house. And then a third person, I've forgotten who, I think French Montana. I mean, this is a woman who now believes that she can build homes to have people, you know, go and knock on the door and offer her money to live in their home. I mean, this is amazing. This is not normal thought. But what happened is life convinced her by showing her that this is what she has a knack for. I mean, I kid you not. And so when when life shows up for you and convinces you that this is the way it is for you, you believe it and you listen because that's your reality. Now, is it chicken and the egg? Did she believe that that could happen and it started happening? Or did it start happening, which then convinced her and now she knows it can happen for her, you see? So it doesn't matter. I say who cares what the answer is. Throw the energy at it. Get yourself in the what if it's easy process because if you believe that it could be, it can be. It's more of a matter of believing more in what you don't see than what you do see than what you will see would be what you wouldn't see and couldn't see. You see? <laughs> yeah. So give us so, – so can you give uh, my audience a practical tool that they can use? Yes. So let's – so, yes, so instead of focusing on what we need to get rid of and disappear, like I understand if, if you're going to see a hypnotherapist and all that, and, of course, you want to go through the stages, but for the purpose of the book, the understanding is that I take you through all of these super quick hacks, and I call them hacks because, again, I like everything super fast and easy. I like for it to be the ability for you to see how fast the mind works. Now, the body is slower, and that's why you so eloquently put that, you know, these unresolved emotions can then start acting out in the physical as they do. We, you know, are all well-versed with Louise Hay and understand 
that that's how that plays out. Physical discomfort, um, physical dis-ease is starting somewhere in the mind with something that's a problem. All of that barred, when you go through these steps in the book, it really is taking accountability, then tapping into your subconscious, understanding your trajectory, understanding other people. There's a chapter called Judge Thyself and Thy Neighbor. Our sense of ecology, we have turned way down in the effort of being PC. And my friends, this is not accurate. We are meant to survive. Our prime directive of our subconscious is our survival. And our survival starts with our safety and our goodness of fit. So you'll understand by reading subconscious power, is someone good for you in the short term, the midterm, or the long term? And this doesn't make people good or bad. What it means is, is this person ecological for you right now in the short term, midterm, or long term? And you can feel that. That's that animal magnetism. So the book walks you through it. Magnetism, good or bad. You know, even in emails, like people will say sometimes, oh, I'm confused by a text or an email. You can read between those lines. You can know when that phone is ringing. You can get those impulses whether to answer it or not is this good for you now or good for you later those are all special little nuances that when you start fine-tuning into that and you start cranking up the volume on that subconscious you won't have to worry about the unresolved this and the unresolved that go get help for sure if that's what you want to do but it's not that necessary to spring forward because as you start to spring forward life starts to show you those new convincers that starts to return Turn that payoff. You know, when you walk into a fast food place and you plunk your money down, you don't sit there and wonder like, oh, what am I going to order? No, you say burger, fries, you know, yada, 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 whatever that is, and you place it, and you place it with such surety that they bring it across the counter in that exchange for energy called money. And so it's the same thing. When you throw your energy at your transformation, your transformation starts to deliver back to you. That is the loop we're looking for. There's another chapter called Give to Get in which I insist that people be um, practicing the law of reciprocity. You get to give, get things when you give things. That is, it's a must. Mothers, overgivers, fathers tapped out, colleagues so tired of helping and, and feeling left and feeling a sense of lack. You get to join that energetic circle of giving and getting. It's a must for any energy system to sustain. It has to follow the law of reciprocity. See, a lot of times we just empty our buckets. We're just, we're just, oh, here, take, 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 take. And instead of giving, you know, up, we're giving out, and then there's just nothing. And we all know that feeling. We've all done it. And it feels terrible. And actually, it's, it's actually a disservice to the person you're giving to as well. So, um, we're, you know, we're, we're living in a time of isolation. In some parts of the world, people are still highly isolated and um, spending a lot of time with themselves, which, um, you know, I have family members that have been isolated for months and months and months, and I always ask them, well, you know, what are you doing with this time? How are you using this time? Um, some of them say, more TV, <laughs> you know, um, but it's a, it's a, it's a creative, productive time that we don't get very often in our life to, to have this kind of inward opportunity. What, what would you advise people doing during this time when we're, and it's winter as well. Um, 
for most people up in the Northern Hemisphere. I'm down in the Southern Hemisphere now. But for the Northern Hemisphere folks, and it's cold, and we have, you know, snowstorms, and there's, you know, so much going on that's driving us inside even more. What's the most productive, valuable thing we could be doing during this inward time? The only productive thing you can be doing is something that brings you joy, something that makes you happy. Now, what could that be and how would you know what that is? When you think of this thing, like, for example, I went on Coursera and I um, signed up for all of these different courses because I thought my soul right now needs to be flooded with information because the information, and this is all during, you know, 2020, um, just so you can kind of see how the progression goes, but, uh, you know, news so bad, um, you know, people so scared, even going out for walks around the neighborhood, you know, quickly everyone in their masks and very nervous about about everyone, of course. But what what I thought was, if I can start infusing myself with so much energy, again, running toward the light, right? So not worrying about why do I feel stressed? Why am I worried? I ran toward what I wanted to feel like rather than worrying about what was behind me toward it. And so toward the learning and the this and the that and studies on happiness and, you know, just everything I could get my hands on, nutrition and health and well-being and everything. And, I mean, they've got great courses, Duke and Yale and all these really amazing, Emory, all these incredible courses to take and they're complimentary. Anyway, all of that, run toward what makes you happy and what brings you joy because that internal GPS will guide you to that thing. Now, that thing is different for everybody. You know, someone, it might be cleaning up their spaces. You know, cleaning on the outside is always cleaning on the inside, right? It might be, you know, whatever. Something something gets you going. Something gets you lit about about something, you know, in your day. Maybe it's connecting with a pet. So many people got COVID animals. So many people hopped, you know, together to go out and, you know, run for a jog or, you know, get physically fit. Whatever that thing is that lights you up, that's what you must run to. And I say, run, don't walk, because right now we need to be so full of something that can buoyantly carry us through, that gives us buoyancy and can float us up above that, you know, kelp that's kind of trying to grab at our ankles and yank us in. No, you have to skippy fish. Run towards anything that makes you happy. Just think of what that is. If you start to smile, you know, if you get a little bit and you feel a little bit of light coming in, that's your thing. And then sit with it for a day. Sit with it for a night. Another way to get rid of um, so, uh, issues, you know, questions and quandaries and problems that you might have is right before bedtime, do like a little conscious, subconscious integration and jot down on a piece of paper things that you want solutions to, answers to, um, answers to questions, whatever that is, quandaries. Write those down on a piece of paper next to your bedside because your subconscious is the ultimate multitasker when it comes to solutions and solving issues. And then in the morning, you'll have those aha moments, those epiphanies like, oh, that's how I get out of this issue or that's what I, you know, what I need to do or that's, you know, if it's performance enhancement, oh, that's the ticket to, to taking it to the next level. Your 
subconscious is begging you to give it something to work on. It's involved in cellular repair, inflammation, all these things with the body, but it also wants to please you mentally. So give it tasks right before bedtime. Just jot them down, and you'll be really surprised at the answers you get. That's a great way to address things that you're trying to get answers to. That's great advice. You know, we have this time whether we like it or not. And it's a time to really cultivate ourselves and to expand, to educate, to tap into that inner power that we've been talking about for the entire show, really. It's it's understanding that um, this enforced ashram life <laughs> really allows us to put our focus on what we want to be creating in our lives, and I've always said in many shows, you've got to turn off the television, you've got to turn off the news, because um, you do not want to be programmed by negativity. We have to be choosing where we want to put our focus and our attention and intention. So those are some great suggestions. Any Anything else as a little tool that you can recommend to to uh, my audience, before we have to kind of wrap things up here? Yes. In fact, if you treat yourself, you know, that that subconscious part of us, if you imagine that this is an eight-year-old person inside of you, because we never really progress past that. What happens is we about, and, and chronologically, you know, six to 11, say we settle at about eight, but, you know, people are different if they're heavily mature at a younger age. But the idea is that when we're approaching nine, we start to get more PC about things. When we're eight, we're still really honest. We're selfish. We're honest. We call it like it is. We worry less about others. You know, if you ever wonder, if your listeners ever wonder, you know, where where your happy went, where did your joy go? I used to be so carefree. I used to not worry or think about things. That's that part of us that was true to ourselves. That's that part that just knew what it was, what it was. And you know you're right. I mean, how many times do we say, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, but we just didn't follow our impulses or our primal intuition. And so I suggest that people take about a week and just follow your own gut feelings. Follow your impulses. Do what they tell you to do. Become and have an expert ear for them. Because when you do that and you follow that for a week, you let me know how that week goes. Because that's the week that you're in your glory. You're no longer swimming upstream. You're no longer paddling hard to try to, you know, get somewhere. You're no longer banging the door down when you can simply just turn the handle and go right in. It, it ends the struggle. And the struggle is what the book was all about, was having people be able to be free from whatever your struggle is. And, you know, you can call it 20 things, 100 things. Everybody has them, and they change. You know, they're ever-evolving. But when you remember that you're eight years old inside and that you would watch different things than you would watch if you had an eight-year-old next to you, you know, if you literally had an eight-year-old next to you, you wouldn't say the things you say most times, you wouldn't listen to the things you, you know, you wouldn't hang out with some of the same people you hang out with, you know, things would change. And so if you really start to baby your psyche and you really start to um, have a reverence for the innocence and the beauty and the honesty of that little person within, then you'll see a different life that you're forming. You may have different desires, you know, than you thought you did 
it's really, really transformative to think back to that little person and just imagine that that person is with you. You're not alone. None of us are alone on this journey. That little person is inside there and gets scared when scary things come on, you know, especially 2020 (laughs) or something on television or a movie. (laughs) But just be really cognizant that that person is in there. I go into detail in the book. It's called Tonkas and Tutus. But it's really, really neat. And then going back to, you know, fear of others, it's just imagine that everyone else, if you're having a struggle with the personality, um, you know, of someone else, just imagine that they're also their inner eight-year-old. And it really helps break some barriers down between us where you can really just stay. You know, all during COVID, I mean, we'd have friends want to get together and all that. And we're just like, no, our eight-year-olds are going to stay home tonight because, you know, we're we're still in that thing of less is more. You know? And so, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that if you just, your perspective is different on how tough an adult you are and, oh, you know, I'm so brave. No, no, no. Imagine yourself as this eight-year-old and imagine those around you. And it really does open up your empathetic uh, ways, your pathways, your sympathy your compassion for others. It's really a beautiful exercise. As you were sharing that, I just had an image of you in your jammies with popcorn, you and your husband watching (laughs) some cartoon movie together. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, we felt bad, you know, it was Easter and our neighbors are so lovely. And they said, oh, it's Jonathan Ogden, who's uh, an NFL Hall of Famer, used to play for the Baltimore Ravens and his beautiful wife, Kima. And they were like, oh, and they have a couple of kids. And we're like, you know, we're kind of good. We're just like hunkering down. And, you know, really when we search what that inner eight-year-old wants, we really just want to hang, yeah, and jam you some popcorn. (laughs) So um, so if people want to learn more about your work, I invite people to go to your website, which is Kimberly Friedmutter, which is obviously Kimberly's name, KimberlyFriedmutter.com, and the Twitter is um, at Kimberly Friedmutter. Um, Kimberly, where can people get your book? Yes, so the book is available everywhere, retailers nationwide and, of course, online. And my social media is actually at Kim, K-I-M, Friedmutter. And the website is Kimberly Friedmutter. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, the book is available everywhere. It made a lot of lists. It made a lot of really good lists of, you know, most important books that you might want to read on spirituality and, you know, gifts for Brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, it it just, it hit probably 30 different lists um, that just shows again that again, you you have a brain, you're in the game, you know, subconscious is something everyone has and there's not an age or a gender that it's not appropriate for. It's written very sensibly for anyone to get it. It's a super easy read and of course now available in paperback. So you can just grab it, throw it in the bottom of your purse, your backpack, use it as a guide for all of the beauty you already have. You already have this mechanism. It's simply a guide for how to best use it so that you can have this beautiful, easy life. Well, that's exciting. It sounds like you've taken all of the things you've learned in your past and put it into a user-friendly book that helps us activate and um, uh, create the life we want, the possibilities that we're all looking for. So uh, thank you for all the hard work to make it happen. I'm so glad that uh, you've been with us today and sharing your wisdom and your experiences and your practical tools that you've been offering us. So I wish you just ongoing success, Kimberly, with all the wonderful work you're doing. 
Thank you. It's my greatest pleasure. And to all of you listening, thank you for staying tuned in with my conversation today with Kimberly Friedbetter. And as always, every Saturday at 11 a.m., I will have another great conversation to inspire, uplift, and transform your life. And until next week, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman. You've been listening to The Love Code. Thanks for joining me and see you next week. Bye for now.